Hey, welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keith. And today, as always, I'm joined with Aaron Lanton and Tim Malloy. And today we decided to talk about Netflix's newish film, um, Kate, which um, stars Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who plays an assassin known as Kate. Um, Winstead. Is, is it Winstead? Winstead. Winstead. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> That's, it sounds very British. It does. Uh, <laughs> who, who plays the assassin of Kate, who on her final mission has slipped a fatal drug during a booty call session, which <laughs> gives her only 24 hours to live. And so she goes on a rampage throughout Tokyo to find the culprits. And in the midst of this, she also comes across the daughter of a yakuza boss that she killed and she finds herself protecting this girl so seems very similar to something i feel like me and aaron talked about before but um what did you what, guys think about now, this now what, which field? thing are you referencing that we had talked about before <laughs> um gunpowder milkshake yes and so that, my wife and i watched that together and then we watched this and we were like Man, Netflix really has a hard on for this particular uh, trope. Uh, And we've seen movies do this before. I do think that um, there's some things that this movie does uh, that, you know, take a trope and kind of flip it in an interesting way or, or just add like a new spin. So I've seen plenty of times, you know, something happen where, an assassin does something and they end up with only a little bit of time. Uh, Well, normally it's more like, okay, the little bit of time they have is like the mission won't happen. Or if they do take revenge on somebody, there's not like such a short time limit. Right. Um, And then even if they have a time limit, it's not actually weakening them, whatever's happening. Yeah. So I think a particular mix of having this person being poisoned on a very short time limit and then having to take revenge and and actually not knowing where to start. That's kind of a unique set of of, um, circumstances in my brain as far as like this kind of film. So I got to admit, when I came in, I I was really skeptical. I I just don't know what to make of this and what it's going to do. But um, as we talk more about what this film's been able to pull off, I really think that um, it's a really impressive film in a bunch of different ways. Um, And I am shocked to see that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is pulling this off. I just, I didn't know she, first, I didn't know she was a weeb. You know, she was in the anime things like like myself and Keith and so many other First off, she played in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Be, that don't make oh. you a weeb. That means Shit. everybody in that movie is. And I saw her in season three of Fargo, so we know that she's an ass kicker. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a fan. I can barely say her last name, but I'm a fan. Like, well, but, but the thing is, like, <laughs> it's one thing to be like, all right, I'm into games. I'm in, in, you know, Japanese culture. They are the ones who kind of like in a lot of ways. She also the, played in Birds of Prey. She did play in Birds of Prey. That don't make her a weeb either, though. Hey, what's Top a weeb? Comic book stuff, though. So what? <laughs> what's a weeb? Oh, like a, um, eh, like somebody who's really, really nerdy into um, all sorts of 
like uh, deep media cuts for certain sorts of comic stuff, but really in particular it tends to be focused on it's like if you call somebody an otaku and on otaku in in uh japan is somebody who's like super duper in like anime and manga and that kind of stuff like the medium of japanese animation um manga being the comic books anime being the cartoon what we would consider cartoons they've had that adult style for quite a while so every, every otaku is a weeb but not every weeb is an otaku yes right that's actually true yes all right but there are levels to weeds too. But she's speaking Japanese clean, you know, and like she kind of weeb where like you could do a movie that's like supposed to be taking a perspective like <laughs> where, you know, it's real people in a real world. And then like on the buildings, people are just like, we're just going to like show ghosts in the shell like and like <laughs> other like random anime. Like cause when she's going up on their rooftop the second time, she's going after I think it's Kojima is his name. Well, Kijima, I think. And uh, as she's going up after the aforementioned booty call, uh, I was just like, are those just like straight clips of anime going? <laughs> like, I was like, I'm shocked. Okay. We're but I wonder this. is that, so me and Randall was talking about that. We've never been to Japan. I'm really starting to think maybe that might be a Japanese thing. No, but they like, don't. Like in I mean, Tokyo, like it wouldn't be as shocking to see anime playing like in the street or or like at a bar or something as my, it is. Here. My understanding is that that is a stylistic choice, not a thing that actually happens. Like anime playing on the side of a building. Now they do do some of like the. I mean, there's a lot of neon signage and things all over the place, and, and it's not as um, exaggerated, at least that I've seen. But I can tell you, they don't just throw anime on the side of buildings like just at 8, 8 p.m or something you know that's not a thing i i have been to tokyo once for like three or four days it was probably the best three or four days ever um i did not see that i wasn't in a lot of tall buildings uh i did go to the lost in translation restaurant which i was very excited to do oh i still haven't seen it Oh man, Japan is the, I mean, Tokyo is the best. It's the absolute best. It's like if you were in Manhattan, like with all that energy and just wildness and so many things and so many people, but also completely orderly and everyone's polite. It's mm -hmm. a wild, cool place. Em did not get on a train during rush hour, but I hear you though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did actually, that's what we got in from the airport. And that was a little crazy, but people were, maybe we were on a not crowded train at a not crowded hour. They didn't have to like push us in or anything like that. But I love, love Tokyo and the little amount of time that I spent there. Um, loved it and didn't see any anime on buildings. But when I lived in Los Angeles, that was a thing where there would be like a hotel with a roof deck or something and they would play some weird movie on the neighboring building. Um, and I think New York did that a lot too during the pandemic because there was nothing else you could do. They would just project movies on buildings. So I think maybe they're taking that as a as an inspiration, and of course Blade Runner. I mean, Blade Runner seems like a huge yeah, yeah, definitely got me Blade. I mean, Runner. everything got. Blade. I mean, you you know Blade Runner aesthetic when you see it, and I don't mean that it, you know in any uh, negative way at all. I think it's you know people who put their own spin on it. I think it's it's. I haven't seen a bad version of it yet necessarily uh, that I can't even think of. I think people are pretty. If you choose it to that motif, you gonna like really go out your way to make it look clean. 
I love this. Right. Like, I love the like hot lights, the neon, all of it. It looked amazing. Yeah, right. the car scene even. I was like, what is what we're doing? Was, this? Okay. Even though it was like super CGI, but it was definitely pretty fun to look at. It was fun to look at. Um, yeah. yeah, I was um, I was gonna say one thing. What we was talking about the um, this um, this trope with the assassins. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that bothers that makes it overplayed is the kid thing. The protecting the kid thing. I have something to say about that, but keep going. Is um, I don't know. I for me, it feels like a cheap way for people to have sympathy for the character. One hundred percent, I do agree and, with this. And and I mean, it's done like in one of my favorite movies is The Professional. Yeah. And I and I want to say that's one of the first films I ever seen where that was done. But I feel like before we see him connect with the girl. If, if even if you took the girl out of it, right, we would still have some type of empathy for the character just off the small thing and the fact of how he take care of his plants, how you know his one relationship with the one friend that he had, who was essentially his his handler was, you know, and I think honestly this movie would have operated just as well if you took the daughter out of the film, if you took the girl out. And it was just her trying to save herself. But then also, I think some of the some of the things that were the most interesting to me is her relationship between her and Woody Harrelson's character. How did this come to be? So let me let me I, I, since we're already there, I didn't think we'd get here this quick. But I, I do want to piggyback on something you said um, and agree and push back at the same time. So I do think that it is typically a really cheap way to just be like oh like you know this person has rules and like and, and the rules are always something like no women and no kids you know and that kind of shit yeah but and um, realistically an assassin be like fuck them kids yeah so, so yeah exactly like i like <laughs> I, we ain't seen a movie yet with like you're following an assassin that'll protect and you're like fuck them kids even um, scarface wasn't like fuck them kids and i'm like really dude <laughs> i mean but at the same time at the same time this is gonna sound stupid, but I've been around some people who do all kind of dirt, and typically they be like, "No kids." Even in the wire, they be like, "No kids." I so no kids. Actually, and the funny thing, like there were people, hood folks who out where I was, and they were like, "Yeah, we barely older than you, but you, you a schoolboy, get out of here." Like, yeah, but just, I can understand it from like you know gangsters, like just your average gangster or average hood dude or whatever. But I'm talking about like if you're a trained assassin. <laughs> but but so here's the thing. So th- this is where I this is why I will push back on that point. Um, this character, we didn't realize this probably early. This is me kind of doing a little bit of speculation. Although then I can't because they use this trope. I don't even like that we get like the last 15, 20 minutes in some ways. So to quickly explain what I mean by this is. Before Woody Harrelson's character, Varric, um, before he takes Amy, so the young girl, or Annie, excuse me, Annie, before he takes Annie away in that car, and then we see them again for her to be saved, um, it seemed like, in all likelihood, Kate probably was used the same way Annie was, and he was probably, I was thinking he was going to use Annie the same way he used Kate, and it ended up not being the case, but 
the thing is, he seems to be a manipulator of some sort. Like he comes in and he swoops young people who are traumatized and feel like they have nowhere else to go. Which is very Black Widow also. That's a definite trope. I mean, I think Red Arrow is like that too. Right. And so, at least in this case, I did think it worked in in ways that are better than what we saw, what we normally see in a very trite version of this. So really the reason Kate desires, and she expresses this, I mean, you could have assumed it, but I I was happy to, to see the film go a little further because we got this point where she says, my life was not my own. Well, it's not like the professional where Leon has some weird attachment to Natalie Portman. It's like she wants to prevent somebody else from having the same dark life that she's had, I guess. That and and just the fact, well, even before they got to that point, the reason she was thinking of stepping away, and she even said that out loud, was picket fence. Well, well, she understood that, like, even if she had this close relationship with Eric, and let's assume you could trust him, whatever, right? In her mind, she had trust for him. Um, like she said, her life was not her own. The reason she wanted a more boring life or whatever was because she wanted autonomy. And she knew that while she might trust Varric, she did not truly have autonomy. She did not have the opportunity to execute her own will as things were currently going and killing the kid. Or excuse me, well, having to break her rule, killing with a kid nearby was an example of her having no free will. Really. Yeah, I, I think that's a Kill Bill thing, too. I mean, I think that is like a very established trope of like the assassin who wants to break free from their master or whatever mm-hmm. in their own life. And there's a lot of stuff in the movie that definitely picks up from other movies, which didn't bother me. I read a lot of reviews of it that were like, you've seen this movie before. And I'm OK with seeing the same movie again if they do it in a cool and stylized way. And I think in a lot of places this mm-hmm. did like the opening killer. Uh, the whole sequence where she's fighting the guy who's getting his pedicure with a fish. Absolutely awesome. Oh, really yeah, awesome. that's one. Of that that fight scene and the fight scene when she was fighting all those Yakuza dudes. Yo, that was so Now, the fight good. scenes are way, if we're going to compare it to Gunpowder Milkshake, they're way better. Like that. Now, that, now the, no, but hold up. The only one that I think Gunpowder Milkshake might, and I still would give that one scene that you just mentioned a heads up over, but I still would say the choreography and the creativity of what we saw in that moment where um in gunpowder milkshake with a uh that assassin couldn't really she had been drugged and couldn't really use her hands well because they were taped and all that i just really appreciate the just the the <coughs> shock of everything that kept happening i just never knew where that scene was going yeah and i think i think it was stylistically you know pretty cool yeah and, and interesting like, but I think what I like about Kate is kind of like what I when I uh, when I compare fight scenes with um when women are fighting in them, it's yeah. like Atomic Blonde, where it's like I think that for me I like a combination of realism and stylisticness, right? Yeah. When I saw when I saw and Kate when I saw her fighting these dudes, there was nothing in my mind saying like. Damn, she can't do what she was doing because of what she was doing. Totally. Like she she used every like weapon that was near her. Like some of the guys were like pretty much her size, or she was bigger than some of them, you know. 
And so the and, thing is, she was using strikes that were like immediately fatal. Yeah, immediately well, fatal yeah. strikes. There wasn't nothing fancy about it. It was just not at all. She was just giving up. them that work. Right. And that, that's that's what I think. Like you can't when you're the um at a disadvantage, you can't um be you're not gonna be stylistic with what you do. It's gonna a be lot of the, a lot of these movies you have like this 120 pound woman fighting, you know, 80, 200 pound guys. And she somehow beats them all. And you're just like, well, that's just fake. That just wouldn't happen. But this one kind of shows how she would actually do it. Like the way that the way that Batman begins shows how you would actually become Batman. This movie kind of shows how a 120 pound woman, and I'm just like making up a weight. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Right, would right. actually be able to take down all these dudes. And one of the things that I thought was so cool is that she stabs them repeatedly. It isn't like the yeah, one yeah. beautiful strike and then they fall suddenly. It's like she stabs and stabs and stabs until they stop. And there's another one where she stabs a guy through the chin and it comes out his nose. Dude, that was wild. Oh, yeah, that was wild. Crazy. I was like, oh. Yeah, they like they that felt real. That actually, felt that was, real. actually, she did that a bunch of times. Like, well, not, not just the, the the stabbing that way was very consistent, but like she constantly would like get right under somebody's chin and shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like there was no wasted motion. You know, yeah. she was just going in and, and making it happen fast. It was and, it was pure execution style, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was awesome. I also I really like just the um something that Atomic Blonde really got right also was like the there's like a viciousness, like it, it's almost like right. you have to you reach like a banal part of yourself to to like do certain stuff and you really kind of see that even like it was interesting like how passive katie is all the time with annie early and um and annie of course don't trust and she's like kidnapped me and this and that she realized the whole family trying to kill her and when kate comes out and kills everybody and at the end like i mean she should do way more she has to but it's like that is her first off it's like you know, how dare you even try to do that to a child? But also you, you start realizing more, the more you learn about Kate, how much she sees herself in, in Annie. Yeah. And that's why she doesn't want to do that to children, you know? Right. That to me is the core of the movie. And where the movie lost me, like it never really lost me. I enjoyed the movie overall, but where I got kind of bored was when they'd get into like the mythology of whatever's going on with Woody Harrelson and his you know, double crossing with the Yakuza and the Yakuza in a relationship. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty. I didn't care at all. It felt like you got a great, like two hour movie, just like John Wick just has like, this thin idea. He's got to get revenge on the people who stole his car and killed his dog. And that's just an excuse for him to go fucking ape shit for two hours. Right, and that's then, all we need. That's all you need. Just fight <laughs> for two hours or fight for 90 minutes and cut the other stuff out. I don't know the exact running time, but it felt like about two hours. Well, but, but it is weird. Like you said, like they, Give us more detail behind like him trying to join the Yakuza, become the head of the some clan in the Yakuza. But then at the same time, it's like, well, but who's he working for? Right. Like it still feels like there's like this because he was like, there was so much big that was gonna happen for you, da da da. And it's like, all right, well, I'm kind of fine, like not knowing. Like that's that's cool. I don't need to know. Yeah. I didn't even need to know. Cause the thing that threw me off. It, like completely out the move for just a second from a plot perspective was why the hell's he even take annie at all i was very because con- like if the movie ends where annie shoots at her and they get in the car i'm like oh wow okay like i could have been fine with it in the air um but 
it keeps going. I'm like, all right, cool. What's going to happen? They're like, are we going to go save Annie? And I'm like, save? But why was she even alive? And because it's like, why Why does Varric need her to stay? And then I was like, okay, well, maybe she'll be like some kind of, she is the last heir of some kind to, you know, Kojima. I thought, so I was like, I maybe there's she, some kind of play. I thought he was getting her just to train her up to replace Kate. That's what, that's I, what thought. I thought because he was that, that's do. what that's what the guy said when he brought her. He was like, "Why did you bring her?" Okay, he said, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's, yeah, he pretty I'm, much was like, "That's it, my it felt, business." It felt like he was talking for me. Well, um, yeah, but because, I think that's I think that was the point that he just needed. Right, but but, but but see, here's the thing: if you want to train her up that way, why are you basically saying what happened in front of her? But he also yeah. knows that people are gonna. He knows that Kate is gonna kill all the henchmen. And he knows that his only leverage is I have a gun to this girl's head. That's his possible chance of killing. Yeah, but he didn't know that Kate was alive. That's all I about to say. He didn't know Kate was alive. Mm -hmm. He thought she was dead. Yeah, all right. Which, that's another thing I was telling Randall. I said, you know, for him to be an assassin person that trained another assassin, you would think he would make sure that Kate was dead after an amateur shot. Because, like, you, you would double tap. Like but, but well, but but think about it. He's not the one who. Um, okay, so if you do want her, because again, we're all assuming at that point he wants to make Annie the next Kate. If that's the case, and again, because she didn't know the truth of the matter, and he's saying the truth of the matter in front of, it's just very confusing to me. But at that point, when that's happening, if you want to make her the next Kate, you do have to let her do the shot. You can't go do it for her. now. I get you yeah, can but, go check, but I mean, that. you got to make sure she dead. That's what right. I'm yeah, no, I agree. Like with he that. could, he could at, at any rate make her go back and shoot her. I mean, I will say the <laughs> fact that like she had all this stuff going on, and you know, uh, was able to make it up there and this and that, and then they both draw, and he gets shot in the stomach and dies in like ten seconds. I was like, well, all right. I mean, we need to get to the end. That's fine. You know what? Another thing I was just thinking about. And I don't, this is why I think it's not so much about the trope of the assassin protecting the child thing I have an issue with. I think that the fact that the child plays such a, I guess. So in the professional, I think the reason why I like it is because the child doesn't really play a big part into Leon's life, right? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Also, hold on, hold on. No, okay. Well, no, go, go it's kind of like, like, it's kinda like he could make the decision to not involve the child, like to not help the child, and mm-hmm. his life could have went on, right? right. Like he, hero, yeah. He he didn't have to help her at all. Like there's no connection with Kate, and even in Gunpowder Milkshake, there's always a connection to that child that makes that makes them feel obligated to help him, and it's because they killed the daddy. In both films, they killed the daddy. They admit to the girl somehow the child. Did both of these, okay, who, who wrote it? Now I got now I just got to double check who wrote. No, but just movies. think about it. They that somehow the child that finds out that their father was killed by the assassin lady that they look up to and they want to grow up to be like. Then that, okay, but boy, they give them at not, the end, like right away, like literally immediately after they just got mad at them. Yeah, but I think it, it, okay, it's so, one of the things. But it, this is, um, bro, you killed my daddy. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, like, and these weren't people who had bad relationships with their father. Like, but, they but, really love. But, but the father. problem is, it, Annie has 
all this time again to hear Varric and Renji, the the guy who was betraying the clan, she gets to hear them lay out exactly how dirty they did her in in grand detail. She knows every detail now. So Still, I agree. I agree movie, with you. This is where the movie just falls apart because like it doesn't really make sense, and you also don't really care. Like it's just just shoot each other, just just get in fights. Well, no, no actually, I, look, I, I like I like the stuff that they say about the betrayal of family, but that, but again, like this gets back to this idea of like how much, like how much is too much for like some of these details, like as far as like the specifics of the characters. Like for me, the film is cleaner from a plot perspective if you end it with Annie shooting her and walking away. Right. Well, the other thing is, if you're going to make a movie that's like, we switch protagonists midway through, which I like, which I think is great. If we switch the protagonist to Annie and this movie becomes like the rise of Annie as opposed to the fall of Kate, <clears throat> that's good, but you have to make us care more about Annie, and I didn't really care about Annie. Yeah, I know, that's fair. I, 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 I don't I, feel I, like I did. I didn't give a shit about Annie, and she was annoying. <laughs> I, I, but I did, did think... Again, this is like there's so many things this film's doing for like weaves. <laughs> like it is such a weave movie. But more, um more like Japanese pop music, more neon. Hell more yeah. More, more, more Japanese hip hop, more just Holy all kinds more of like stuff. Walking like into a club and like a great band is playing for some reason. Yeah, and the thing is, what? it was funny, it was like her theme song was playing that she got through murking like <laughs> all those people in the mafia, well, in the Yakuza. Um more walking but, in clubs and as it says like you know light the candle and blow or whatever that lyric was as she like flicks the cigarette away great oh yeah yeah what's your style i love it well and, and the thing is annie though um her her it's weird because both of them see each other in themselves annie sees um kate and she's like well I, like well first i've never seen my mom but that could be like kind of how my mom was maybe that's why i never saw my mom i don't know why i never saw her but i imagine she'd be a badass like you you know like there is something kind of it, it it's tried it and they kind of rushing through it but there are things about that i do think are interesting because um what what is known in japan is um or they call people who are um uh, have like a mis- mixed ethnicity of japanese and something else like they do call them hapus and they do tend to be treated very differently um than the people who are not um of mixed ethnicity um and the mo- and the thing is like if, if these are things you kind of know about and and know like they're almost like taboo to discuss in any kind of way like it's like um, Lucy Lou and Kill Bill half Japanese half Chinese yeah oh yeah yeah that did yeah no very true yeah. um but yeah they you know, when that happens, oftentimes, like, there's, you know, um, a lot of, you know, some sort of uh, ostracizing that takes place. And, you know, that would explain why the family didn't want to protect her. They didn't want her to be the person who carried on the, the you know, lineage of the clan. Um, and on top of her being, you know, a girl, not a boy. Because if you notice, like, you know, the only other women that we see around the yakuza all of them are you know some sort of uh 
consort or you know well when yeah. like she's there and she's just like get out and the kitchen just goes you know, the funniest thing in the whole movie for me, though, was the moment where uh, Kate's running and there's that dude running behind her and they both have guns and they go into the bathhouse and oh, yeah. she doesn't have any more bullets left. And she goes click and the dude goes, oh, basically almost pisses herself and they just bust out laughing. <laughs> I think the whole fight between her and the guy in his apartment that was so, at his feet in the fish was like. It was kind of um, funny, but it was, it was uh, yeah. It was it was intense because, like, up to this point, she was demolishing everybody that she came across. Mm-hmm. But then when she go come across this pretty boy ass dude, yeah, you like oh, she gonna whoop his ass. Like he was literally that's some anime shit in itself. That's an anime trope. Yeah, that was great. That, like, and in and, and anime, there's this big thing. Like, what it's always the pretty boy, somewhat feminine character that's like the major boss that be like beating the hell out of everybody well, not all the time but i mean it, it surprised me this time it's it's a huge it's a huge thing yeah yeah, yeah, so, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially in the um like you look like dragon ball z or really uh, like anything that's like a street level show that happens a lot he reminded me of um what was that that uh that um hasoka from um hunter x hunter for some reason oh that's but, funny but just yeah. that that um and and the fact that he was kind of like having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, like and, and, I, and also well, and, and he was is, about to kill her. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm about to say. Like he actually now, you know, she she was uh you know, she was hurting. She she already been fighting and she, you know, was pretty poisoned at that point already. But he was giving her that work, and yeah, he he was about to be both of them. Um, that man was chilling at home. I'm tripped, bro. What happened to <laughs> I know was when Annie shot Kate, bro, I was dying. Like that was the funniest shit. It took yeah. a first off. It was like she Annie is like fumbling with the gun in case like fuck. I can I can barely like even coordinate myself. And I'm getting my ass whooped here. And, but I'm you know I'm keeping up. But this this shit kind of crucial. And Annie back to fuck came and get like a bullet in the chamber. I'm like oh this is funny. And then she finally does it and shoots Kate. And Kate's like fuck come on. I don't know why that guy was just one of those characters in the film where you like man I kind of didn't want that guy to die right <laughs> like. I don't, I don't even know the guy's name. I'm like, he's a good actor, man. Yeah. Uh, can I point out one thing? There's that Please. scene where they ask Woody Harrelson what to do, and he's like, go get them, round them up. And they're like, who should we get? And he's like, all of them. <laughs> I thought that was a big uh, homage or ripoff, I'm not sure, to this scene in The Professional that is one of the best things ever. Everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. No, uh, now I forgot about that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I this movie has a lot of like little goofy things like that. I think on on the second watch, I would notice Tim in his professional ass, and kind of the first time. I just think about, <laughs> I just think about what a good actor Gary Oldman is all the time, and how yeah, how much fun it must be to like get everyone exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh he God. one of those actors like where he can be like over the top but then he can also be like real cool and even killed in a row because like that that was one of his more over the top characters that and his character on um fifth element, fifth element. yeah i knew you were gonna mention that. Oh, so good yeah this movie had a little fifth element in it for sure this movie's really crazy like i i really I, so the 
harsh Rotten Tomato scores, I just don't. I, I see how they happen because I think culturally it's it is a radio shock in a lot of ways. Like if you aren't um like in tune with that kind of um style and and that's what, like look when you when you got a, a a thing you're watching and they just got anime on the side of a building while a character's about to murk somebody that that is a little jarring. The complaint that you're saying is it's too it's too similar to other movies. That's in the reviews that I read, which is just such a critic go to. Like they just That's just lazy it. though. Like but, but, but you know why I hate that though? Like people will say shit like that and then I'll get a remake of a movie like, you know, five out of five stars. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that's not your issue is not that it's the same thing. And and you know, if somebody comes back and they're like, well, they didn't do it well enough. Well, like honestly. You're not gonna find a lot of movies that have action sequences, especially like this. I mean, so I'm talking about if any single year, you're not gonna find like a bunch of movies that have just several action sequences better than what we saw in this movie. Like you could look yeah. across all kind of years, and like it would be difficult to to do that. Well, and John Wick um, is like a lot of other movies, and all those Taken movies are like a lot of other movies, and Dune kind of is like a lot of other movies. Game of Thrones is like a lot of other stories, but it's how do you do it? How do you tell the story that's interesting? And then also like you can mix stories within a story, you know? Because yeah. I always felt like to me, Game of Thrones is the is like a mixture of Lord of the Rings and some other. Sopranos or some shit like it's like <laughs> Sopranos. Yeah, I don't know what else to compare it to. It's like gangster shit with Tolkien. Yeah, <laughs> it's just about politics. It's just who's up and who's down, and everything good happened. Everything well, good and, and also just the reaction. you know removing the idea that you just get what you deserve because you're kind hearted and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I was just thinking about this. I don't know why I was I was thinking about Tolkien, Jar Tolkien. And I was like, that man really did create, like he was the had to have been the master of world building. And I was thinking about one of the my biggest critiques about him, but you know, since he was probably the first one to make these big epic fantasy stories, was that like the orcs are just evil. Like for no for no fucking reason like sauron is just a being of pure evil and i don't maybe there is a backstory too i just never knew what it was and i i think that takes away i like it to be more nuanced in a sense where you know with him it was just all good and evil you know well i don't think Um, many stories back then had had nuance um with the villain on well the so-called depict now okay so of of that particular era now there are stories before that plenty even if you're looking at like um you know you can go back to ancient greece and you'll find all sorts of i mean really the thing with them that was always interesting it was more like your heroes always had like crazy faults yeah like right, that, but then yeah. even but even that villains did too. It, I mean, even yeah, but then, but the thing is, but a villain was a villain. I just mean like there was no such thing as like a pure person really in Greek mythology, really. Yeah, right. everybody has like the sin of um, what's it called, hubris or something. It's usually uh, hubris. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Well, I mean, for example, like if you look back at um, this is an I wouldn't even say it necessarily so. Okay, so this is Hubris. Um, you know, Odysseus talking yep. that shit. Poseidon was like, I'll show you. 
And then um, so he goes through his whole thing and then he gets home and he's like, damn, I miss conflict. <laughs> like this, this sitting on my ass and and you know, and enjoying peace. This ain't for me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and he he was traveling. He was with different women. He got to slay stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he get home. Well, he was just with his wife and his kid, and like, oh, this is kind of whack. Yeah, <laughs> damn, peace, uh, peace is overrated. Damn it. Yeah, let me go. Let me go adventuring again. Yeah, <laughs> it's a like, let me let me go. Like uh, I'm gonna smite another guy. Let me go. Uh, you know, throw a, a rock at somebody on. Man, just needed shit to do. Uh, right. but i mean but you know you know of course all the gods were real screwed up and you know all kind of stuff that's why people always make them jokes about uh hercules like the disney retellings they were like man that's got to be the biggest lie disney ever told talking about zeus is a family man <laughs> <laughs> definitely not it's um, too funny but uh just uh smoothing out the edges on that character <laughs> <laughs> that is that is some shit. They got all the grout down, smoothed out, paved over multiple more times. Shit, all kind of shit. This thing is, man, it is laced with vibranium. You are not breaking through that. Right. <laughs> hey, but I loved it as a kid. I think most kids like it. But look what they did with yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like that. Well, is, yeah. That's yeah. like the kids bop version of Hunchback. That doesn't talk about some lies told. <laughs> but it's still but you know what it's funny how it still is capable of being extremely dark especially for a child yeah, because yeah, it's, shit was like dark. it's one of those stories where it's gonna be dark no matter how you try to make it it's that movie like, messed up even like you said even like the disney version is super messed up right. uh, so i but that's the thing like so you know i kind of i'm actually very cool with where kate ended up like well, basically a happy ending um and having the cherry blossoms on the side of building <clears throat> representing renewal and then having the lucky cat and i'm sure almost nobody who ain't weave knew what the hell was going on um but the, you know like those who are like have the lucky cat or like around that someone's supposed to like give them uh like essentially luck and you know potentially prosperity things like that um and I think that that was meant so the renewal would be basically and the good luck going forward would be for Annie in all likelihood. She deserves a break. Yeah, yeah but her, her her uncle's still a mob boss. Now I kind of hey, I was feeling him for some reason. I, I was I was like, man, is somebody gonna get their head cut out with a samurai sword? <laughs> I didn't mean he was waiting on that. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for a katana to come out. I ain't know when it was gonna happen. I don't know how they hid those katanas and those outfits, but I was into it. When it happened, I was like, oh yeah. Let's I think go. somebody was carrying one. Like now, you you know, but that was <laughs> that man said I forget I look, I can't say it in Japanese, but basically he said, you know, I could kill you right here, but nah, you you wanted that shit. Let's go. <laughs> get, get my sword out you get your sword out and he's like i'm just busy man you just old da, da, da. Yeah, he didn't say shit to him he just sliced him in the stomach took his head off yeah he gonna say he gonna say you think you you ain't no samurai you a thug i was like well he killed your <laughs> ass like you was a samurai 
That man ain't straight with Ronnie Kenshin that ass. I was like, yeah. damn. He said this man wouldn't. He I said, you ain't no samurai. You a thug. That, that's such a hilarious <laughs> line, first off. I thought about that. It's hilarious. It's so fucking funny. Because it's just like, how'd they even have that conversation specifically like that? Like, because this had to come up before. But then, like, for him to not respond and then just just two slices. Hey, Perry slice head off. Hey, that dude was a real G. He was he was ready to die. And he took the sling off. Oh, he was yeah, when he took that sling off, I knew what was nah like that's one of that's one of the moments like you know how you ever seen somebody they be out uh talking some some noise for whatever reason, and then somebody be like, All right, you can hit me first. Like, nah, you, you need to have a conversation with that person. You're like, yeah, he, nah, he, man, we can work this out. Yeah, he old school Yakuza. I said, nah, bro, we need some diplomacy. I, I'm, I don't have that kind of pride. That shit was hilarious. So, I don't know. I like this movie a lot. Um, it is definitely my speed. And, um, you know, we will not be getting a sequel because of how it ended. Totally cool with that. I'm really curious to see because, look, I think uh, Mary Wan said is going to look at this and go, hey, Japan, if you need me for anything else, you just let me know. I'll come do your movies. Um, you know, I, I, that would be really cool to see if she did more stuff like this and just lean even further into um, like just delving into Japanese culture. This is definitely something she clearly has a passion for. Um, and I just really thought that they like also man the choreography in this film right ridiculous they should really cast show up for city. the um for the for the cowboy bebop like, it's already done they already they already finished it oh they finished it oh it's she, she would have been perfect in those all right well in that case, look don't don't go online and look up the uh the pictures and stuff they've already put out a couple of like first screenshots and I've stuff i've seen i've seen some uh, old boy that's playing on uh, spike i can't think of the guy's name. uh john Choi lee is that his name am i, lee? Am I crazy the guy from Harold and Kumar. I said John Choi. It's just John Choi. I'm stupid. But, um, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think um he looks outstanding is Spike. Um Faye looks good, Jet looks good. Tim's like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But the Cowboy Bebop, uh look at you know, Bebop pictures. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, the the live action though, um, show for Netflix is coming soon. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, Netflix is, uh, they've announced they've started production for the One Piece live action. That's going to be dope. Also, bro, the manga of One Piece right now, fire. Absolute fire. It's ridiculous. Love it right now. It, it's it's 1,025 chapters in and, like, getting better. It, it's kind I of insane. Talk about One Piece. One Piece. One Piece is Damn, the truth. One Piece will change your life. No, it won't. So. I've been watching One Piece every day though, but I, I'm not I'm not that into it. No, like, but but watch, but you I know, watch, but the thing I, is, like I, I, I said, you got to get you about to hit the arcs where it, it reaches like stupendous levels. Are uh, these all like a minute long? Because I don't know how they have a thousand twenty five episodes. They're no, twenty five minutes. No, no. So it's a thousand twenty five manga chapters, and so far nine hundred and ninety four anime episodes. I think I say this. I I um I don't really like running. So I get on the treadmill, like on my, you know, in the mornings and I watch One Piece. I have One Piece right there while I'm watching it. But 
it's hard for me to sit down and not do nothing and watch it because of I just can't get into it sometimes. Now, when it's good, it's good. But you got, like I said, you got to watch. Like for every good episode, you would have had to watch about ten. Not so good. But see, I'm reading the manga too. Anyway, we don't want to get. I'm sure all of our like, like you know, you know, I'm always, I'm always get my two cents about One Piece, and I live, I do watch but, it now. But, but you're not there. Yet. What, what arc are you in? I'm just curious. I'm in Skypea. See, that's the slow part. Hey, that's the real hey, it's, slow. It's it, funny because when you was mentioning, um, like you know somebody, you need to watch out for somebody if they let you throw the first punch. <laughs> I'm at that part when um, Inaru told old boy that he gonna just sit there and let him just keep attacking him. I said, don't do that. And he no. said, well, he said, I'm going sit, to sit here for a whole, what was it, like 10 minutes? I forgot. And he just let him just do whatever, stab him. And I'm like, nah, you, you should just run. But anyway, yeah, we, we're, we're done talking about One Piece. Yeah, it, a, after this arc, you'll get to where it's going. But anyway, so uh, I feel like we probably said all we're going to say about Kate. Um but I, one thing I know, and, you know, normally we do like a, you know, hey, what do y'all want to talk about? Da, da, da. I am saying right now, the next week, we are talking about the Star Wars anime shit that just came out in full nine episodes on Disney Plus today. We are going it's out to now? Next week. Yeah, it's already all nine episodes all nine. on Disney Plus right now. Yeah. Oh. We're going to watch. We are going to watch them and we're going to enjoy it. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that many episodes. Yeah, I'm going to watch my brother's episodes. wedding. I am 100% not going to watch nine episodes, but I will watch the first <laughs> few episodes. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to like it. I love the trailer. Well, I mean, you look, you'll be on you'll be on a plane, right? Nope. I'll be driving a car. There's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> so we might have to pick something to. else. So, so don't y'all listen to Ann. <laughs> I watch the first few. I'd love to talk about it. I just can't watch the whole thing. All right. We'll see. If, if we can watch something better. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes of uh of the low key episode selection for next week. Yeah, that that's how we go through it every week. <laughs> um, well, if you got this far, we appreciate you. Um, thanks for you know listening to our conversation. Uh, we, please, you know, tell a friend. I'm sure they'd like to hear us go on and on about uh, pop culture happenings. Um, and Keith, tell the people where they can find us on the social. Okay, so we're on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. Um, also, if you want to support my short film, The Moment, there's a link on our um, for for the for the Instagram page, and you can just click on the link. You can be able for the to world also, premiere. Yeah, you can also listen to any um, past episodes of the Low Key Podcast through this link, and um, nice. support your boy if you feel like it. Support, support, support. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, who should check that out? Who do I think would like it? <laughs> exactly. Everyone. All right, well, with that, we're going to close out. Appreciate y'all. See you on the next one. Peace.